says give her time she's she's going to do a, a sign language on this song and uh, you know when we are young 
our bodies are okay and you know the movement of the arms is good and everything and, and remember of the brain and then there was uh, the uh, there were situations that has occurred since I wrote this song and uh, it was a situation of a woman stopping on the interstate interstate 70 or 74 and she literally stopped in front of me and uh, started backing up <laughs> and I I was I just pressed hard on the brakes and prayed you know God please don't let us hit her but uh, it uh, tore Diane's uh, rotary cuff and then she's got the other one so age causes those things to happen and time time has things like that but I can tell you that this song is the one song that Sister Crow does such a good job. And I hope y'all enjoy Forever Here. We are forever God's children. The power that they 
Jonathan, would you mind stepping up here and turning the uh, uh, amplifiers on? See back there. You come turn the amplifiers on for me. We might. Did you turn that that microphone off before you came up? Okay. All right. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to Psalm 119, and. Uh, Really battling some things this morning in light of, uh, you know, it's amazing. God uh, sometimes brings things across our paths, and you wonder what we ought to be doing with them. And um, (laughs) I'm burdened about two things. Uh, Since Brother Dan mentioned to me just a few moments ago. Number one, I'm burdened and I may, I'm uh, concerned and consumed with the idea that everybody that is present today, that they know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Eternity is too long and too permanent for us to leave that to chance and to, and to, and to, to say that I'm not sure that I'm saved. And one of the great burdens... of my heart would be that every person sitting here this morning knows for sure they're on their way to heaven. Uh, God doesn't make it hard. If He loves us the way He says He loved us, and if He did the things that He said He's done by sending His only Son in our place, why would he make it difficult? He makes it very simple. And he says, all we have to do is put our faith in him. All we have to do is trust him for our salvation, not rely upon our own good works. I'm reminded of the rich man that came to him and said, what good thing must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, go and keep the commandments and The young man said, I've done all that since I was a child. And God said, then go and sell all you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says the young man went away sorrowful for he had great riches. The truth of the matter and the point of the story that Jesus told was not that the man could earn his way to heaven by keeping the commandments or by giving away all that he had. What God was trying to say was none of that is good enough. Had the young man gone and given away all that he had and come back to Christ, Christ would have said, it's still not enough. His disciples were puzzled by the teaching. They asked him and said, how then can a man know God? How can a man come to God? And he said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We don't get saved because we go to church or because we've been baptized. We don't get saved because we do a lot of good works and our good outweighs the bad. We get saved when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ and Christ alone. 
when we get to the place where our absolute dependence on salvation is on Him. I have shared this story so often, and, and I, I don't want to just be overly repetitive, but it so vividly pictures, in my mind at least, the idea of putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I went to a friend's house for a barbecue, and I'm a pretty hefty fella. And they had those plastic lawn chairs. And I went and sat down in it and was sitting for a few moments. And all of a sudden, one of those chairs busted, and I went to the ground. And I, I'm a lot more conscientious now when I go to sit in a chair. I look at it. I, I want to make sure that it's not going to move. It's not going to fail me. I'm going to be able to put my, can I say it this way, I'm going to put my trust in it. And I can look at a chair when I come into a place. And you know, I can believe in that chair. I can say, I believe with all of my heart. You know, the Bible says that the devils believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not enough to just believe that He's the Son of God. I can believe all day long that that chair would hold me, but I've not put my faith in it. I can, I can, I can walk right next to that chair. I can get ready to sit down in that chair. Just like somebody could go to church all their life and be that close to getting saved and still not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could even start to sit, and as long as I continue to hold my balance... I'm still trusting in myself to keep me from falling. But every one of us, when we sat down this morning, reached a certain point where we were not going to recover our balance. Either that chair was going to hold you, or you were going to go to the floor. In that moment, you had trust. And I tell you this, a lot of people believe in God. A lot of people believe that He's the way to save them and the way to get to heaven but they've not yet put their trust in Him. To get to the point where they take their soul and they place it in God's hands and say, God, I'm trusting You and You alone to take me to heaven. And if You fail, then I'm lost because You're the only one that I'm trusting. My friend, that, that is salvation. I know a lot of people that live very religious. I know a lot of people who do a lot of good things. But I've known them to be lost. The second thing that I am burdened with this morning, and it has nothing to do with the message that I have, <clears throat> if we are saved, my second concern is are we ready to meet God. What if today was our day? What if when we leave here today, we don't make it home? Could I stand before God and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Will I, will I be counted faithful? Will I be counted as one who has given his life to serve God? Have I taken the opportunities that He's afforded me to serve Him, to share the gospel with others? What about the way that I'm living my life? Have I yielded my will to Him daily? Or am I following my own will, my own choices? 
almost almost preached a message this morning from Proverbs chapter 14 and again in Proverbs chapter 16 there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death I was going to preach on the ways that are mentioned in scripture there's a lot of different ways aren't there the psalmist said oh that my ways were thy ways you know every man has his own way we call it our will. And then there's God's ways. You know, there's the way of iniquity. There's the way of the sinner. The way of the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, I am not a way. He said, I am the way. And out of all the ways that the Bible talks about, there's only one that brings redemption to man's soul. There's only one that brings us salvation. There's only one that brings us joy and peace and comfort in times of need. And the question many times comes to mind, what is the way that I'm taking? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The Bible talks about running a race the way that God has set before us. Remove not the ancient landmarks. Seek for the old paths. What way are we in today? When eternity comes into view, it causes us to consider our ways. Which way are we going? And two questions this morning I would have before we even get to the message. Number one, are you saved? And you say, Brother Greg, this is the Sunday morning church service. Yes, I understand that. But I sat in a pastor's home 13 years lost. Are you saved? And secondly, if you say, yes, I've put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then let me ask you this question. Are you ready to meet Him? If today was the day that He called us, if the rapture happened today, that would be the greatest thing, wouldn't it? The question is, are we ready? Are we ready? I fear. As I see God's holiness, the reverence that is due to Him, I fear that it will be many times with great shame we may stand before the Savior until we hear the words, it's already been paid. Until we hear our Savior maybe come along and just say, just put that on my account. I'll take care of that one. While I think there will still be some shame perhaps and some tears shed that God may have to wipe away, we'll be forever and eternally grateful for our Savior. I'm thankful He's a merciful God. As often as we fail Him, I'm so thankful for His mercy. I'm thankful for His long-suffering. But I, uh, when times like this happen, I think it, it does us well to stop for a moment and ponder our lives and uh, ask ourselves some very serious questions. And uh, I hope that you can answer those questions well this morning. If you're here this morning, you say, boy, I just don't know if I'm saved. I don't know that I've 
ever trusted Christ as my Savior. I don't know that I've ever put my faith in Him. And I would encourage you to, to, to see me after the service or during the invitation to come forward. And we will be more than happy to take the Word of God and show you from God's Word what the Bible has to say about it. And you can make that choice. You can make that decision today. You can put your trust in Him today. And I would urge you to do that. I don't know why this morning in Sunday school, from time to time we ask it, but not often. But I just asked the question this morning, how many of you are praying for someone who's lost? And for those of us that are saved, maybe this week we'll take a little more effort to try to reach that one. With eternity in view, uh, perhaps we will give more diligence to praying, more diligence to seeking the opportunity to bring bring the gospel to them once again. And uh, well, that's not the message this morning. But uh, sometimes God's God works in a different way than we have planned, and I'd much rather have His plan and His way anyway. Well, let's look in Psalm 119, and uh, what we don't have, this may be a two-part message. Uh, We'll see how far we get. Blessed are the undefiled, verse number one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Father, for the next few moments, I pray that you would help to direct our hearts and our minds. We do pray for the the Roberts family this morning and give grace and comfort. But Father, I pray that You would help us to understand the truth of this passage this morning as we deal with this 119th Psalm, the lessons learned, the things that I believe are so vitally important that we oftentimes overlook. Father, draw our hearts near to You. I pray that You would help us as we leave this place to be loving You more than we did when we walked in those doors, Lord. May we have been drawn closer to You. To become more like You. To be living a life that is pleasing to You. Something that will be able to bring praise and glory and honor to You. And not something that would be a reproach. Father, help us today as we strive to please You with all of our hearts. I pray that You'd help us to be yielded and sensitive to the leading of Your Holy Spirit. That He would guide and direct in this service. And Father, when we preach, I pray that You would stir hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Emperor Napoleon, many years ago, said, The gospel is not a book. It is a living being with action, power, which invades everything that opposes its extension. Behold, it is upon this table, this book, surpassing all others. I never omit to read it, and every day with some pleasure. Voltaire, the great French infidel that uh, so much blasphemed God, said that within a hundred years of his time, 
that Christianity would be swept away from existence and pass into the obscurity of history. Yet 50 years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his house to print the Bible and to produce Bibles to go all over the world. Patrick Henry said there's a book worth all other books which were ever printed, and that is the Bible. Of the many influences that have shaped the United States, Ronald Reagan said, into a distinctive nation and people, none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. President George Washington said it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, I am busily engaged in the study of the Bible. I believe it is God's Word because it finds me where I am. I believe the Bible is the best gift God, ever, God has ever given to man. All the good of the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book. Woodrow Wilson, who was our 28th president, said, When you have read the Bible, you know it is the Word of God because it is the key to your heart, your happiness, and your duty. Theodore Roosevelt said, A thorough understanding of the Bible is better than a college education. And Daniel Webster said, I believe that the Bible is to be understood and received in the plain and obvious meaning of its passages. For I cannot but persuade myself that a book intended for the instruction and the conversion of man's soul could be any other than the Bible. We have read what men's thoughts are about God's Word. But can I tell you this, that no amount of presidents expressing that the Bible is the Word of God makes it the Word of God. You know why the Bible today is the Word of God? Because God said it is. He inspired it. I brought all of these out this morning because it brings to, to, to mind a question. And the question is, what do you think about the Bible? These great men, some of them great thinkers, some of them great leaders, thought very highly of God's Word. And the question this morning is, how do we think about God's Word? What do we think of it? We at Keith, the Heist Baptist Church, hold to the King James Version of Scripture. We believe that it is verbally inspired, that it is divinely preserved in the translation of the 1611 King James Version, that it is without error, that it has not uh, passed away even one jot or one tittle. We believe that in order for us to have pure doctrine, we must have the pure Word of God. Not just a book that contains God's Word, but a book that is God's Word. If we do not have a perfect Bible, then we are destined to have imperfect doctrine. And so we hold to these things and we understand from the meticulous history and lineage of how we came to get this particular Bible. And with the divine intervention of God aiding the translators of the King James Bible, we believe this to be God's preserved and inspired and inerrant Word of God. The psalmist, as he speaks of these things in Psalm 119, has a high view of Scripture. He starts by saying in the first part of the Psalm 119, and keep your Bible, Sandy, we're going to look at a lot of this chapter today. I'm thankful that God's Word many times will almost preach the message for you. Amen. You don't need to hear what I think about God's Word many times. You just need to hear what God's Word says. He says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. A man that walks in this book 
is somebody who will be blessed, he talks about. In verse number 2, he talks about, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. The psalmist thought so highly of this book that he realized it was going to be something that would guide him and his direction, his walk. It was something that he says he was going to keep in verse number 2. It says in verse number 2 also that he was going to seek him with his whole heart. Oh, that we could have a heart to seek for God. Verse number 3, he says, They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Not a hearer of the Word only, but someone who will be a doer of the Word and will keep the commandments and the precepts of God. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. The submission that he says, Lord, I want my will, my ways, to be directed to keep Your Word. I want to be yielded to it. I want to make sure that it has first place in my life. I want to make certain that this book is my only source of faith and practice. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. He says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. He looked at God's Word and His commandments and the things that God had already chosen at this time to give to them in Scripture. And he says, It is worthy of my respect and my reverence. In verse number 7, he talks about the praise with the uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. He understood the value of learning how that this book is profitable for instruction in righteousness. To be able to learn the truths and the principles of God's Word. To be able to know the heart of God. And you know, God has chosen to reveal Himself to us, that part of Him which we are able to comprehend through His Word. We find in verse number 8, He says, I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy Word. Can I tell you, the Word of God has a cleansing effect on us. We can go on and say, in verse number 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wonder from thy commandments. This word has a way of drawing our hearts to a point of consecration and dedication to the things of the Lord. You want to get, you want to, get to where you are dedicated to the things of God and you want to uh, get to the place where your life pursues and, and, and follows hard after God? Read His Word. It brings commitment to us. In verse number 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It delivers us from sin. We're going to take time. I'm not going to read all of the verses, but we're going to read a bunch of them, so follow with me. Let's move to 14, verse number 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Notice this, as much as in all riches. There's not enough money in this world. I, I happened to come across an article yesterday. Uh, it was a, actually, it was a video uh, yesterday. I was doing some, uh, looking up some things, and there was a, an ad for a mansion that was like, I think it was $187 million. It came with a helicopter, and it had a, a basement that had like 50 uh, of, the, of these, anti, or these high-end cars that are very, very rare, and all of this stuff, and, and the pool, and the jacuzzi, and the house. I mean, just amazing and immaculate. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be amazing to live in something like that? Can I tell you this? The psalmist said God's Word is above any of the riches that, God, that man has. It's something that is so precious to me that I desire it more than those riches. He talks about in verse number 15, I will meditate on thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself, verse number 16, in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. 
Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. God's word brings life to us. It quickens us. You ever got reading the Bible and got stirred up about something about what it said? There was something that was made alive in you. God's word is quick. It's powerful, the Bible says, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I wonder how often we think highly of God's Word. Do you know this? The Bible teaches us that God has exalted His Word above His name. Well, what an amazing thought. That this book in God's sight is to be exalted above His own name. In verse number 18, He says, Open thou my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, there have been times in my life, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'll be real frank with you. There have been times in my life that when I came to Scripture, I came because I knew I was supposed to, and I came reluctantly. Any of you ever been there? <laughs> I've been there. You're busy, you're tired, and you just don't feel like reading the Word of God. Can I tell you this? When the Word of God has its rightful place in our hearts, we begin to behold wondrous things out of it. He talks about in verse number 24, Thy testimonies are my delight. And my counselors. In verse number 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Make me alive. Help there to be something stirred up inside of me. Paul told Timothy, Stir up the gift that is in you. And there are times in our Christian lives, and we all go through it, where we are colder than we used to be. There are times where our, our Christianity begins to grow stagnant. And can I tell you, the great, great effect of the Word of God on our lives is that it stirs the embers of the heart. Brother Crow and, 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 I, and, Miss, and Sister Crow were out at dinner last night. We got talking about the goodness of God, and I was about ready to jump up and shout right in the middle of the restaurant. There was something good happening in my heart as we begin to discuss the things of God, and when we come to Scripture, there, there ought to be the words of God that burn inside of us. I want you to notice several things here. I'm going to point out a few of them. In verse number 26, the psalmist says, I have declared my ways. Because of the view that he had for God's Word, he recognized the importance there was to declare the Word of God. And all oh, that we would have a revival among God's people to take this wonderful, wonderful book, this perfect book that God has given to you and I, and to declare. By the way, uh, we're not to debate it. We're to declare it. It's not up for debate. It is truth. We don't have to sit and try to make an argument from man's logic to try to prove its accuracy. It is the Word of God. It is truth. We declare it. And then we move on. Let it do its work in man's heart. I want you to notice in verse number 27, he says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. We ought to be laboring and working at, at studying and understanding the Scriptures to search out the, the treasures of God's Word. There's a, there's a, a value to God's Word. There's a, a reverence that ought to be held towards God's Word that would stir us to study and to understand it. <coughs> And to saturate our lives with God's Word. As we get older in years, and I understand this, I, I'm getting to this point, it is harder and harder for me to remember some things. But can I tell you this? We ought to always be studying God's Word. I, I think we ought to be memorizing, working at it, laboring at it. We may not be as quick at it or as good at it as we used to be, but we ought to continue to work at it, that we would hide God's Word in our heart. 
that we might not sin against God. Notice he says in verse number 27, he says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. I think the Bible ought to be so filled up inside of us. We ought to be so so saturated with it. We ought to have read its pages and allowed its truth to well up in our hearts and stir us so much that we just can't help but let it spill out of the saucer, so to speak. And everywhere we go, we're just slopping it all over the place. That God's Word just comes out. And as I was talking to Brother Crow last night, it ought not be something we even have to labor at. It ought to be just what's natural. We ought to be so consumed with the Word of God. We ought to be so passionate about it. We ought to be reading it and studying it so much that it is not difficult for us to talk about the things of the Lord. Notice he says in verse 28, My soul melteth for heaviness, strengthen thou me according to thy word. You ever been to the point of faltering and failing and fainting? The day that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Can I tell you this? When we are in the times of, uh, of uh, near failure, our strength is gone. God's Word strengthens us. Notice He says in verse number 32, I will run the way of Thy commandments when Thou shalt enlarge my heart. Can I tell you this? We ought to pursue after it with all of our hearts. The Apostle Paul said it this way, I press, I press, Toward the mark. Paul used a lot of athletic terms in his writing, phrases and word pictures. And this word press was the idea of a man running a race. And as he gets to the ribbon in a close race, with every ounce of energy that he has, with every ounce of strength that he has, he's pressing to break through the banner. And as Paul wrote these words, uh, these folks very vividly understood what Paul was trying to give as a word picture here of pressing toward the mark for the prize. Talking about they that run all are running not in vain, but they're running according to the race that is set before them. They're pressing. Can I encourage you this morning that we revive our hearts, that we ask God to stir something inside of us again where we have a revival of God's Word having the rightful place in our hearts and our lives. I don't care how much George Washington thought of God's Word. I don't care how much Abraham Lincoln thought of God's Word, although those are impressive statements that they've made. You know what is important today is what do I think of God's Word. I hope that I hold it highly. He goes on to say in verse number 34, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it. Notice this, with part of my heart. Is that what your Bible says? No. I will observe it with the things that are convenient and that don't cost me anything. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says I will observe it with what? My whole heart. That's, that's a very difficult prayer to pray. It's a simple concept. It's hard to live. Because we all like to have those certain things in our life that we're not willing to let God have control over. We know the Bible says it, but that's an area we really don't want the Bible to deal with in our life. Can I tell you this? We will never understand the victorious Christian life. We will never have the peace that passeth all understanding. We'll never have the joy of the Lord the way that we should until we get to the place of absolute yieldedness to God. 
We need to come to God's Word and before we ever read a word of it, say, Lord, if You will show me Your truth, I will walk in it. My decision is already made. Show it to me. I will walk in it. By the way, very rarely will you ever come to God's Word that you will not find something that needs to be corrected in your life. It's amazing to me how many times I've come to Scripture, and I've been saved what I consider a long time. Some of you have been saved even longer. And yet every time it seems like that I come to God's Word, there's something that He's pricking my heart about. There's something that He's instructing me in or guiding me in and showing me other ways that I ought to be. Oh, that we would be yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we read His Word. Notice in verse number 40, He says, Behold, I have longed after Thy precepts. Quicken me in Thy righteousness. There again to be made alive. The the longing, the yearning that He had. In verse number uh, 42, He says, So shall I... Uh, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. Notice this, for I trust in thy word. You know that our trust in the things of the Lord is going to be largely dependent upon how we view his word. Do we trust his word? When the Bible says that something, do we believe it for what it says? There was a little girl years ago that an agnostic was going to try to trip up and asked her the question, said, do you believe that, the whale, that uh, uh, Jonah swallowed the whale? And she said, no, sir. The Bible doesn't say that Jonah swallowed the whale. It says that the whale swallowed Jonah. But if the Bible had said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I would have believed it too, sir, she said. And that ought to be the kind of trust we have in this book. There was a song written years ago that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. My dad got a hold of that song, and he didn't like it. He said, you know what? God said it, and it doesn't matter. Whether I believe it or not, that still settles it. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is what? Settled in heaven. It's not going to change. It's not going to drift. Can I tell you this? We can say as the psalmist, I will put my trust in Thy Word. I can anchor myself to that. I can believe that it's not going to... In verse number 43, and we've got to move on for sake of time. He says, I have hoped... In thy judgment. In verse number 44, he says, So shall I keep thy law. Verse number 46, he says, I will speak of thy testimonies. Verse number 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments. In verse number 48, he says, And I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse number 50, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Verse number 52, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. In verse number 54, I love this one. Thy statutes have been my songs, Brother Crow. Amen. Thy statutes have been my songs. Aren't you glad God put a song in your heart? We get to verse number 59. He says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Boy, wouldn't it be glad, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say something like that? That my feet were going a different direction till I saw it in God's Word. And God's Word turned my feet. By the way, that's the way it ought to be in a Christian's life. We get on down to verse number 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. 
In verse number 8, he says, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. And there's so many verses we're skipping over of even of this. But I want you to understand the heart of the psalmist as he looks at the Word of God, the commandments of God, the statutes of God, <coughs> the ways of God. And he speaks of his heart yearning. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, <coughs> that I be not ashamed of steadfastness in God's Word. Verse number 93, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Verse number 98, though thou, though through, thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. What do we think of God's Word? What do we think of it? Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore... I, ha I hate every false way. You know, we're living in a world that calls right wrong and wrong right. You know, there's a remedy for that. It's called the Bible. It'll straighten it out real quick. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Psalm 119.105, I love this verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn, verse number 106, and will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. You know how we get to not err from God's precepts? We read the Bible. We read the Bible. Thy testimonies have taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. When was the last time we delighted in God's Word? Psalm one, Psalm chapter one talks about the blessed man, and it gives three things that he's not supposed to do: walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth and see the scornful. But notice it says there's one thing we're supposed to do, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man is a man that not only refrains himself from things, but delights in the law of the Lord. Oh, that it would be the the thrill of our heart. In Psalm 120, he says, my, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. It guides us. It directs us. In 130, he says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. In Psalm, 100, Psalm 119, 172, he says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let me give you four quick things. And all of that was introduction. The message is short. Number one, God's word is the standard of judgment in our life. It is the rule that we measure our life by. We are not to compare ourselves by other men we're not to compare ourselves by other Christians and say, well, I'm better than they are or I'm worse than they are. The rule of our life, the standard, the thing that we measure by 
is how does our life measure up to God's Word? When we have the right view of God's Word, it, was, it will be no problem for us to hold ourselves to a biblical standard. Notice I didn't say a pastoral standard. I'm thankful for our pastors in the pulpits, but let me tell you this. You don't answer to them for your morals and your judgment. You answer to God's Word. Look at one, uh, verse 106, if you will. I have sworn, and I will perform it, that I will keep my righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto Thy Word. This, this Word, this book that we hold in our hands, is our standard. Number two, it is the source of our life. It is the source of our life. How oftentimes, as we read this morning, we came across the phrase, Quicken Thou Me. By thy word. It's the source of our spiritual life. You know, I've talked about this before, and I'll share it very briefly. It's five minutes after. Y'all bear with me, okay? Lunch, lunch is still down there. It'll be there when we get there. You know, Psalm, 100, or Psalm 1 talks about the Christian being as a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. I like that it's planted, not just there by mistake. Jeremiah chapter 17 in verses 8 and 9 and 10, talks about the Christian being as a tree by the rivers of waters, planted by the rivers of waters. The tree uses its nourishment in order of priority. The first thing a tree will use its nourishment for, if it only has a little bit of nourishment, it will simply use the nourishment to stay alive. It's not going to grow. It's not going to bear fruit. It's just got enough to stay alive. If a tree gets enough nourishment to stay alive and it still has a little bit extra, then the second thing it does is it uses it to grow. The reason it grows is so that it can bear not just fruit, but that it can bear much fruit. The Bible says that, doesn't it? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And can I tell you this? that if a tree has enough nourishment to stay alive and it has enough nourishment to grow the way that it needs to and it has enough left over, the next thing the tree does, it bears fruit. And the tree doesn't even have to labor at bearing the fruit. It's just the natural process of the tree. Can I tell you this? This book is our source of life. And I tell you this way, it's our nourishment. When we talk with God, we talk to Him through prayer. Do you know how He talks with us? He doesn't come to us audibly. There was a time when He did, before God's Word was completed, that He came to prophets and came to them audibly. But once we had God's Word, He ended that practice because He is speaking to us through His Word. And this is what stirs us up. This is what nourishes our soul. Number three, we can only escape sin as we take heed to God's Word. We can only escape sin as we take heed to God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Taking heed is more than just listening. Taking heed is hearing it and doing it. Not being a hearer only. And number four, 
the Bible becomes our source of rejoicing. It becomes our source of rejoicing. The question this morning, what do you think of the Bible? What do you think of the Bible? Is it our all in all? There was a song, a little chorus, years ago written. <clears throat> the words of it were, I have a wonderful treasure, the gift of God beyond measure. So we'll travel together, my Bible and I. <laughs> I long to delight in God's Word. I don't always do it, but I long for that. I, the days that this book is so sweet to me are the days that my heart delighted in it. That I took the time to set aside whatever schedule I had and said, you know what, I'm in no hurry. I just want to come and let God speak to me through His Word. I want to read it. I want to study it. I want to learn about it. It's worthy of it. The psalmist gives it high praise, doesn't he? We went through so quickly in so many other verses in Psalm 119 that speak highly of His Word. Oh, that it would have its rightful place. It's interesting for me to note this, that the longest chapter, the biggest chapter, in the biggest book in the, in the Bible, is devoted to the importance of God's Word. It's almost as if he set that as the pinnacle, the, the, the key teaching of his Word, that this book must have its rightful place. Oh, that we would have the Bible in its rightful place. Can I tell you this? When it does, our lives will reflect it. It won't be a problem to have standards in our lives. It won't be a problem to obey the commands of God. It'll be the privilege and the thrill of our life to do so. I so long for it, and I hope that we would get to a place in our lives where we long for God's Word, where we hunger and thirst after it, where it becomes the delight of our lives. I can get up here week after week as a preacher and feed spiritually people that come to the service, but oh, that we would learn to cherish this book so that we wouldn't have to wait till Sunday or Wednesday but we could open it any time we need to and let God's Word nourish us and be precious to us. I hope that will be a help to you this morning. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. The invitation time this morning, I'm going to ask you how you think about what you think about the Bible. Does it have its rightful place? But I don't believe that the circumstances of the day have been by mistake. And I also would ask this question during the invitation. Are we ready if the Lord were to call us home today? Are we saved? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you to come forward and let us show you from God's Word how to be saved? And then secondly, as a Christian, if you are saved, are you ready to meet the Savior? Are we delighting in God's Word? Are we allowing it to have its work in us? Are we yielded to serving Him? 
Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the teaching of Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Father, may it have its important seat upon the throne of our hearts. That it would become the paramount thing of our lives and our walk with You. That we would hold to it and we would read it and study it and take heed to it. That we would cherish it because it is Your very words to us. Lord, may we long for it. May we be obedient to it. Lord, we're living in a day where a lot of people know a lot of Bible. A lot of people quote it to prove their own way and their own points. Lord, may we just understand it and live by it. I pray that you'd help us today to have a renewed zeal, a renewed desire for your word. If there's someone here this morning that's not saved, I pray that you'd help them to see that need and get it settled today. There's someone here not living the way that they should. Maybe they've drifted away from the Lord. Their hearts have grown cold. I pray that you would draw them back to you today. That you would encourage them through the preaching of your word. Bless the message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. God has spoken to your heart today. We'll have just a verse or two of invitation. Would you come this morning as Miss Evelyn plays? Thank you. you. May lift your heads. Go ahead and have a seat, if you would, for just a moment. Um, Brother Wayne, could we get a couple fellows maybe to grab the offering plates? They're back there by Jonathan. And uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed the Crow family being with us today. I've certainly gotten a blessing from them being here. And we'd like to take up an offering just to try to help them along the way. And if you didn't come prepared to give today, that's fine. I understand that. Um, we'll be here at the church all week this week if you'd like to bring something by the church.